0: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. Once again, I'm so glad you're joining me on this show. Here we like to give what I call Blue Jeans Theology. That is theology for everyday life. That's rooted in everyday life, connected to everyday life, in the language of everyday life, so that we can follow Jesus better. Hey, before we jump into the content on today's show, true story. The other night, my wife and I were watching our two granddaughters, and we were going to prepare them some dinner. We have a little tiny plastic picnic table that they like to sit in to eat at, and so they both sat down at the picnic table, and they were giving each other hugs. My wife and I went into the kitchen to prepare some food. We're, We're preparing the food for them, and all of a sudden we hear a big thud and tears and crying from the other room. We rush into the other room where the girls were sitting at the picnic table, and funniest sight, both little girls were on their back, their faces staring up at the ceiling, their little tiny feet pointed to the ceiling, and there they were crying. Best we can figure is they were giving each other a hug while sitting at the table, and somehow they knocked each other over. They both fell over backwards onto the floor, and there they were lying in this awkward position, looking up at the ceiling, feet towards the ceiling, and crying. Well, you know, a couple hugs later. Everybody was okay. They'd come down back at the picnic table and ready to eat their dinner. But man, it was absolutely hilarious to walk out there and see those two little girls with their feet towards the sky, looking up with the ceiling on their back, crying because they had just fallen together out of the picnic table. And I just felt like I needed to share that with you. So thanks for listening to my story. Uh, this episode, we want to jump back into where we kind of started in the last episode with our relationship to the Bible, specifically our relationship as disciples of Jesus to the Bible. And to do so, let me pose a question for you. Have you ever thought about Jesus' relationship to the Bible? Have you ever paid attention to Jesus' relationship to the Bible when you're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? Well, that's really at the heart of what we want to talk about in today's episode. In last week's episode, we looked at Psalm 1, and we really focused on the idea that a blessed life is a scripture-rooted life. And that stands in contrast to uh, the man who does not pay attention to Scripture, but listens to all the other voices in the world, and therefore his life is like chaff, the author of Psalm 1 said. But the life that's rooted in Scripture is like a tree that flourishes because it's rooted near streams of water. Well, we use that really as a launching pad to begin thinking about our relationship with the Bible. And in this episode, we want to think then about Uh, our relationship as disciples of Jesus to the Bible. And that really forces us to just pause for a second and think about Jesus' relationship to the Bible. And here's why this is so important, because remember what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is somebody who has chosen to be with their rabbi, in our case, Jesus, to become like their rabbi. And so for us as disciples of Jesus, we have chosen to be with Jesus to become like Jesus. That's essentially what it means to be a disciple, that you have arranged your life to be with Jesus in order to learn from him how to do life his way. You've you've chosen to be with him in order to become like him. Discipleship entails imitation, necessarily, that Part of being a disciple, or really the heart of being a disciple, is to imitate your master, your rabbi. The goal isn't merely to know what your rabbi knew, it's to become what your rabbi is. That's how discipleship worked in Jesus' day, so when he calls us to be his disciples, that's what he's calling us to. It's to pattern our life, our whole life, after him, not just our public life, not just our scene life, but even our behind-the-scenes life, our life in private, what we do, the way we order our life that enables us in the visible parts of our life to look like him, to be like him, to act like him. And so we pattern our life after him. That's what it means to be a disciple. That's really important and sets the stage for this idea of Jesus' relationship to the Bible. You know, sometimes I think we make the mistake of thinking, well, you know, since Jesus was God in the flesh, obviously he just knew the Bible. But that's not the way the New Testament authors portray Jesus. In fact, that's not even the way they portray the idea of the Incarnation. The point of the Incarnation is that Jesus took on 100% humanity, and therefore he learned, he grew, he developed, he had experiences that certainly weren't typical of Uh, uh, God outside of the incarnate state, right? Like uh, God himself doesn't get tired, but Jesus got tired. God himself doesn't uh, get hungry, but Jesus got hungry. God himself doesn't die, but Jesus died on the cross. In other words, the incarnate God, Jesus, he had experiences that were not typical of divine experiences, outside of the incarnation. Jesus had usual, typical, normal human experiences, and one of those was he had to learn. He had to grow. So picture little boy Jesus learning math, learning how to read, right? Like learning his Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, bait Gimel, Dalet. Hey, right? He had to learn his alphabet. Um, and that's That's important for us to bear in mind when we read the Gospels and as we think through Jesus' relationship to the Bible. And what we notice as we pay attention to Jesus in the Gospels is that Jesus, like, he had a deep, deep relationship to the Scriptures. He was formed by them. He was shaped by them. And so what I want to do in the next few minutes is I just want to uh, kind of examine just some ways that Jesus' relationship with Scripture shows up in the Gospels, all right? Let's start with uh, just some ways it shows up for Jesus, like his understanding of God's will, his understanding of what God expected of his people comes from directly the Scriptures. Like he, he just quoted Scripture and he showed his audience, particularly when he was questioned, from the Scriptures what what God expected. For example, Matthew chapter 12, um, in this episode here, Matthew 12, the, the Pharisees uh, begin to challenge Jesus because his disciples, Jesus' disciples, are going through the grain fields, and they're picking off the heads of the grain to eat them, and it happens to be a Sabbath. Well, in the Pharisaic tradition, that uh, that's like harvesting on the Sabbath, all right? And thus they're working on the Sabbath, and in their mind, therefore, they are violating the principle of no work on the Sabbath. And so they challenge Jesus and say, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Jesus responds, Matthew 12, verse 3, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry, how he entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which is unlawful for them to, eat, to do, but only for the priests? Haven't you read uh, in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? In other words, Jesus quoting a passage, a story from 1 Samuel and a passage from the Old Testament law to say, there are exceptions to some of these things. Uh, There are uh, things that are more important than some of these things. And so he says, I tell you that something greater than the temples here, meaning himself, If you had known what these words mean, I desire desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. And so Jesus uses scripture to rebut and reply to their question, their challenge of him. Uh, Or another example where we see how Jesus uses scripture to inform um, his understanding and his audience's understanding of God's will. Matthew chapter 15 uh, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. They're aghast about this because of their the Pharisaic washing rituals that were so important to them. And Jesus then actually replies sort of like almost really strongly. He says, Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? You guys are so into your traditions, but then you break the command of God for your tradition. And he actually refers to a tradition where they had this this practice of setting aside uh, some of their money so that it was dedicated to God so they didn't have to actually then take care of their elderly parents who might have needs. And Jesus points out that that's like directly against honor your father and mother. One of the Ten Commandments, or anyone who curses his father or mother is to be put to death. And so he quotes two Old Testament passages, two scripture passages, and says, "Here's what the law says, and then you have your tradition, this Corbin tradition is the idea. And he says, you you've, by your tradition, have nullified the very command, the Word of God, for the sake of your tradition." Um, And then he goes on and says you hypocrites verse 7 of Matthew 15. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. He quotes Isaiah and says what Isaiah said about his audience is true about you guys as well. Notice how just scripture-soaked Jesus is. He's quoting scripture at will to respond to the challenges he's getting from the, the religious leaders of his day. Maybe some of their confusions about the will of God and their traditions. And he's showing them from the scriptures that that's not so. That's not so. You see this all over the place in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 19, another example. i not going to read through the whole thing, but they come and ask him about divorce. And Jesus quotes The initial marriage statement from uh, Genesis chapter 2. Here's the foundation of marriage. Here's what marriage is supposed to be. And then they follow up with, well, then why did Moses command a a wife to give a certificate of divorce? And Jesus replies with, explaining that passage more fully uh, in Deuteronomy, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it wasn't that way from the beginning. That's not God's intent. That's not Uh, God's design. And so he says, we need to stick with God's original design for marriage. Um, You see this all over the place where Jesus just quotes scripture left and right to really say, here's what God's will is. Here's what God expects. This even shows up right at the very beginning uh, of Luke's gospel in the one account we have about Jesus as a young boy, Luke chapter 2. If you're familiar with the story, Jesus and his family have come to Jerusalem for the feast, Passover. And uh, his family, along with the whole kind of entourage of relatives and vi- f- fellow village members who have traveled to the feast together, are now returning home. And Jesus doesn't join them, but they don't know that. They think he's somewhere in the group of travelers ready to come home, and then when it comes back to evening, Jesus doesn't show up for dinner. He's not around. They can't find him with any of their relatives, and they're like, oh man, we must have accidentally left Jesus back in Jerusalem, which is quite hilarious, and so they turn around and head back to Jerusalem. Well, when they return to Jerusalem, they find Jesus. He's 12 years old. They find Jesus, it says, in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Did you catch this? Here's 12-year-old Jesus, and where is he? He's in the temple with the scripture teachers of his day as a 12-year-old boy, and he's engaging in dialogue with them. He's listening to them teach. He's asking them questions, right? And he's engaging in scripture learning with them as a 12-year-old boy, and everyone who heard him was amazed, get this, at his understanding, and his answers. In other words, Jesus as a 12-year-old boy already has a very deep understanding of the Scriptures, a deep understanding of God's will, a deep understanding of the Word of God as a 12-year-old, which means he's been reading the Scriptures, he's been learning the Scriptures, his family's been teaching him the Scriptures, right? And he's soaking this in, and he's thinking about them, and it's so much a part of him that he he was amazing the the teachers of his day with his understanding of the scriptures here's a 12-year-old boy who knows the scriptures who's motivated to learn and he's getting it figured out again that just that makes perfect sense when you look at adult Jesus and the way he used the scriptures to really challenge the religious leaders of his day and how he he knew them just at will he could quote them he was soaked in the scriptures and all over the place through the Gospels, we see this, that Jesus is just a man who's full of the text. He's full of Scripture. It's, it's obvious that his understanding of his vocation as the Messiah, what it meant to be the Messiah, what he was called to do as the Messiah, that that was shaped by the scriptures. It wasn't just like some random willy-nilly thing that somehow God just dumped in his brain. But he had been reading the scriptures and understanding as the Messiah who he was supposed to be and what he was supposed to do. So much of his uh, his explanation of his vocation as Messiah is... Like rooted in the scripture, and he he calls specific passages to mind as he's teaching about that. Uh, one really famous passage on this regard actually happens after his crucifixion and resurrection. Jesus meets these guys, these disciples, who are heading to this town of Emmaus. Luke twenty four. You can read this story, and they're um, they're talking about. Everything that's going on, right? It's Resurrection Sunday. There's all these reports of people seeing Jesus. They're confused and bewildered at what's going on. Jesus has been crucified. He was buried. They were demoralized and discouraged and dis, you know, disheartened and down. And now all of a sudden, there's been these reports on this Sunday morning of people seeing Jesus. And they're wondering what all this means. And Jesus comes and meets them on the road to Emmaus. And in the course of meeting them, he's asking them what they're talking about. They're telling him what they're talking about. And then Jesus says to them this in Luke 24, verse 25, he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And so beginning with Moses, meaning the uh, books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So there they are walking on the road, and they're having this Bible study, this scripture study on the road as Jesus is just walking them through from Genesis through all the prophets about what the, the text of Scripture said about the Messiah himself. And he's opening their minds so they can see what the Scriptures actually say the Messiah is supposed to be and do. Notice that. This, this, his whole understanding of his vocation as Messiah is, he says, it's rooted right there in the text. And if you read the text and pay attention to it and think about it, you'll know what's going on here. He's rooted in Scripture. I mean, over and over and over again, we see this in Jesus' life. We see it with specific events uh, regarded, re- regarding his life, even like his crucifixion. It's, it's just what has to happen. He says in the Garden of Gethsemane to his disciples, and particularly to Peter, who got out his sword and was trying to you know, fight off the people who were coming to arrest Jesus. Um, he, he says there, no, 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 no. Look. This has taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. His understanding of his vocation, even approaching the crucifixion. It's rooted in what the prophets said. He knew the scriptures. This is what it means to be the Messiah. One of the most poignant ones to me happens when Jesus is literally hanging on the cross. Matthew 27, Jesus is hanging on the cross. Uh, and about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a quote from Psalm 22, verse 1, which means as Jesus is hanging there on the cross, uh, this suggests that he's hanging there meditating on Psalm 22. The righteous sufferer in Psalm 22 and and he sees in in what Psalm 22 he sees himself as the ultimate righteous sufferer, and he cries out the cry of Psalm 22, verse one, right there. He he has the scripture so rooted in his mind and his heart that even in his darkest hour, he says the words of scripture. Well, we could go on and on and on about how Jesus, like, for example, Matthew chapter 4 quoted scripture in his resistance of the devil to deal with temptation. And it was his knowledge of the scripture that allowed him to resist the lies of the devil. We see that over and over and over again. Jesus just is rooted in the scripture. So here's the point. Here's the point of all of that. That's quick survey. You read through the gospels. You pay attention. to. But the point is this, that Jesus was saturated with the scripture. It just came out of him. He quoted it at will. He quoted it to the devil in temptation. He quoted it on the cross when he's hanging there dying. He quoted it when challenged by people who had a misunderstanding of God's will. He helped other people see the scriptures in a new light or understand or put things together so they could really understand them. That Jesus was just saturated in the scriptures. It was just part of the fabric of his life and now you and i as disciples of jesus our job is to pattern our life after jesus right like that's what just dis- being a disciple means it means we imitate our rabbi and when we look at jesus what we see is well here's somebody who just knew the scriptures we're not told exactly all that was involved in him learning the scriptures right we don't know exactly what he did. We just know he learned the scriptures so much so that he could quote it. Well, he was saturated with it, which means if we want to be like our rabbi, then we're going to learn the scriptures as well. We're going to read the text. We're going to study the text. We're going to meditate on the text of scripture, and we're going to absorb it into our life until it's just part of who we are, tell the way we look at ourselves, the way we look at our world, the way we deal with difficulties, the way we understand events, the way we think about God's will is not just from our own feelings or what somebody said. It's rooted in the text of Scripture. If we're going to be a actual disciple of Jesus, then we are going to put in the work to be saturated in Scripture, like Jesus was saturated in the Scriptures. So when and how do you study the scriptures when and how do you read them and meditate on them and absorb them into your life do you have maybe a community of people who you study the scriptures with or who encourage you in that who help you uh, learn and grow or who encourage or are you doing scripture study with i have a a friend who he and a group of guys have uh, for years they've had kind of a bible reading kind of uh, encouragement group together where they just they read together and they text each other kind of an insight from their reading that day as a way to encourage each other both to read and point out things they're learning and and hold each other accountable to that and so we need community for that i have a friend who just we just got together for coffee a few weeks ago and we've recommitted to our scripture memory plan we're going to encourage each other in uh, memorizing scripture and really retooling some of the scripture we already have memorized and so we need to be people as disciples of Jesus who who don't just want to or wish to know the scriptures like Jesus in scripture, but we plan to, and we organize our life to do that. That's what it means to be a disciple. Discipleship entails imitation, and we see that Jesus' life was saturated in scripture, so we're going to organize our life to be rooted in the text of scripture as well. So whatever we can do to do that, may we be disciples of Jesus who actually imitate Um, Jesus, in this regard to our relationship to scripture, may we learn the scriptures well because our master knew the scriptures well. All right. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. So glad you could join me for this episode. And as always, I want to say a big thank you to each and every one of you who make the Bible and Life ministry possible. Uh, um, This ministry is a listener-supported ministry, both the podcast and so many of the other resources we're putting out, the listener's commentary and all of that. They are made possible by the generous support of people just like you. And so Thank you to each and every one of you who makes this ministry possible. The impact you're having in the lives of people, we may never know until we actually are together with each other in glory. So thanks a ton. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your donations. If you want to join the team and be a supporter and donor to this ministry, you can do do so. Just follow the link in the notes down below. And it'll take you right to the donation page where you can donate to the Bible and Life. You can do that either through World Family Mission or through becoming a patron of the Bible and Life ministry on my Patreon page. Hey, thanks a ton for being part of the Bible and Life family. Either way, thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your support. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week.